for having us, for inviting us this week, and thank you for being so attentive and such a blessing. It has been a great pleasure to get to know some of you just a little, but you know what? We have an eternity to get to know each other better, and we'll look forward to that. Uh, but it's been wonderful to unite with you in the work of the gospel, and I have really enjoyed uh, preaching the gospel uh, through this week. It has been a blessing to my soul. I trust it's been a blessing to your soul. And I also am sure somebody out there uh, is struggling with the reality of salvation and ready to come to the Lord Jesus. And <clears throat> you know what? If you are, I, I, would, I would plead with you. I would encourage you uh, to come tonight. Uh, come, uh, give up the battle, surrender. Uh, let the Lord have his way uh, in your life. I appreciated Jay's testimony. By the way, <clears throat> uh, if Jay and any of the other young men that have gone through uh, the addictions program could say one thing to you, it would be this. Listen, that's a glorious testimony of God retrieving somebody right from the, from the dregs. Don't go into the dregs in the first place. Give your life to the Lord and live it for him. Uh, it's the best life there is. Jay is blessed. By the way, his wife, um, Steph, uh, serves in the church. Um, she, you would know if she was here, by the way. She still is noisy. She's lost all the swear words, but she, you, you'd know uh, she was noisy. And she's a blessing. They're a real blessing to have. Uh, just gems that God has, has plucked uh, from the world and, and done a work in. So we're very appreciative of them. That's what God does, though. Isn't that what God does with all of us? He wants to lift us from the world and make us his gems. We're looking at Ezekiel. We're going to diverge from our conversations with Jesus tonight. We're going to look at the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. And we're just going to read one verse tonight. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Wait till you get there, right? Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. I will try and be short tonight. Uh, if you give me your attention, that will help me a lot, all right? Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? What God says is he has no pleasure in seeing somebody die and go to hell. That is not what God is about. He has absolutely no pleasure. In fact, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. God's heart for you, God's heart for everybody on this planet, is that we could be, should be saved. God's heart uh, for, was expressed in the death of his son. And he says... Listen, I have no pleasure in somebody living their lives, dying in their sins, and going to hell. I have made abundant provision for that not to happen. And then he says, why will you die in your sins? Why will you do it? And the issue is our will. The issue is, are we willing to come to him and bow before him and receive the free gift of salvation? Or will we stubbornly go our own way and do our own thing and end up paying the ultimate price, separated from God, in a place called hell forever? If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, are you willing? 
Are you willing to let him have his way as we speak tonight? Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the testimony. We thank you for the music. We thank you for a wonderful week that we've had, Lord, this week. And Lord, we come to you to now, tonight now, Lord, asking for a blessing. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, would you step into this room and walk among the pews and speak to hearts and, 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 and speak that conviction that people need to hear, Lord, and show each one what you need them to see. Oh, Lord, may it not be that people come and sit under the sound of the gospel and go away in their sin, Lord, and end up paying the awful price. Oh, Lord, may it be that each one in this room comes to know you as Savior. Lord, would you bless? Would you do that work? Bring that conviction in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Um, The prophet Ezekiel asked the question, why will you die? Uh, It really isn't because God wants it that way. Uh, Tonight we ask that question of those that are without Christ. Why will you die? There's no need. Christ took our place and died on Calvary that we might live. So why will you die? A lady called Rose DeSantis uh, was on a subway train in New York City in 1992. And um, very busy in the, in the rush hour traffic in the evening. Uh, she, she came to a stop. And as she uh, got off the train, uh, her purse got caught in the door. So that her purse, the main part of her purse was inside the door. And the handle of her purse was outside the door. Well, of course, you want your purse. Who knows what was in it that she wanted. So she's trying to pull and tug her purse out from the door of the train and get the train opened again. Well, well, the porter uh, on the platform didn't notice what was going on, and he waved the train to start. And so the train started moving, and the train began to move down, and as it did, it, it began to move faster and faster, and she's holding on to her handbag that's caught uh, in the train door. The people around on the platform are looking at her and telling her to let go. The people in the carriage on the train are telling her to let go. Just, just release it. Let it go. Uh, everybody is, is, is screaming for her to let go. She didn't let go. She was dragged 90 feet. She went off the platform and was dragged along the tracks, and she died in hospital four hours later. And the terrible thing was she didn't have to die. There was no reason why she would have to die. She just needed to let go. What was in that purse that was of such value to her that it was worth her life? Absolutely nothing. She had to just let go. You know that when it comes to salvation, there comes in a point in, point in your life where you just have to let go and let God have his way. You can't do it. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. There comes a point when you just have to let go. But... Because God has given you this glorious, wonderful thing called a free will, you have the ability to say no to God. You have actually that ability to say no to God or to say yes to God within you. One of the most amazing things to me in life is that people say no to God. I have seen people with the heavy hand of God upon them. And it's clear to anybody that's looking that God's hand is heavy upon them. And they're saying, well, I'm not going back to church and I'm not repenting. If you go to the book of uh, Revelation, uh, the most terrifying thing in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of terrifying things in the book of Revelation. Right? Uh, no movie could be made that would depict what's happening in the book of Revelation. But 
the, the terrifying thing in the book of Revelation is that God visits all these judgments on, ma- on mankind, and again and again it says, yet they repented not of their wickedness. And you're looking at it, and the world is, 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 is collapsing around them. Everything is falling apart, yet they didn't repent. You have this enormously powerful thing called a will, given to you by God, so that you could choose to love him. But giving you that free will meant that you could choose not to love him too. You could choose not to repent. You have this enormously powerful thing given to you of God, and you can make a choice. You can either let go. You can either receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you can say no. And God says to you, why? Why will you die? Why will you die when I've made provision for you to be saved? Somebody put it this way, that in order for somebody to go to hell in this age, they have to go over the broken body of Jesus Christ. They have to trample over the broken body of Jesus Christ. Because he's very real. You know, he's the central uh, character of history. There's no way to avoid him. And God says, why will you die? Don't die. Now, for those here tonight who don't know Christ as their Savior, why would you die and go to hell? Let me say this. If you do die and go to hell, it will not be God's fault. I'm sure that there are those who would like to blame God uh, when they go to hell. They would like to say uh, it was God's fault. But God has made ample provision. God has shown you the gospel. God had somebody invite you here tonight. You're here under the gospel, and I'm sure this is not the first time that you've heard the gospel. Uh, God has made provision for you, and... He says, come to me. But you don't have to. You know the story in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. There are a lot of terrifying things in that story, but here's the most terrifying thing to me. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. He literally woke up in hell. He was living a good life. He was enjoying life. He was doing what he wanted to do. And then... He woke up in hell. Now, I, I don't have the, uh, the power to actually uh, make you see how bad hell is. is but, but let me give you one thought about hell. Hell is the absence of everything that is beautiful and good and godly forever. That's, and that's a tiny part of what the Bible tells us hell is. It's the absence of everything good and lovely and beautiful and godly forever. That, that thought alone is impossible. We drove up from Dublin today, and as we came uh, to the Mourne Mountains, uh, through that valley in the road there, the trees are all uh, in, in, you know, in, in their full-bloom autumn colors, and it's, the beauty just touches your soul. It just does something to you. God made us in his image, and we love beauty. We almost need it. We look for it, don't we? There's nothing beautiful in hell. Absolutely nothing. Forever. Listen, and and that's the, the, the lightest thought I can give you about hell. There's nothing beautiful forever. Nothing of God. 
The most precious promise in the Bible, I think, is when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And my, my, my soul goes, oh, whatever I have to go through, I don't want to have to go through, whatever I have to go through, he'll be with me. Not now. That's over then. This is the day of grace. This is the day when God has said, you know, listen, come. <clears throat> Whosoever thirsted, come. Uh, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Whosoever will may come. God, God has thrown wide open the doors today. But when it's over, it's over. And there's no going back. And before I was saved, I used to believe in reincarnation. And here's why I believed in reincarnation. Straight up, the reason I believed in reincarnation. Because I couldn't bear the thought of this and it's once and done. I thought surely you had to have a second chance to come back. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. As comforting as the thought of reincarnation may have been, it's a wrong thought. It doesn't exist. You get to live once. You see, I'm sure that some that blame God for their torment, if only he had warned me, if only he had made salvation easier. You see, though God did warn He sent his son. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the price for your sin. What a picture of love. What a picture of love that we don't deserve. God, hanging on a tree, bleeding to pay the price for our sins. Listen, no imagination could dream that up. Nobody could actually make up a story like that. God hanging on a tree, paying the price for our sins. And why? Love. No reason. He didn't have to do it. You know, we looked at Jesus in our church, we looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane recently, and, 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 and how he went through all that agony to come to the place where he would give himself on the cross. And he didn't have to do it. He could, have call, he could have called out to the Father and the Father would have sent him angels and he would have been relieved of all that burden right now. He would not have been any less righteous a God. But love compelled him. You know, I often think of his enemies at the foot of the cross scorning him and mocking him and casting all his goodness in his teeth. And that's the one thing I don't think I could do. Let them win over you when you had the power to destroy all of them. Remember when they met him in the garden and, and John tells us that what happened was that they all fell backwards when he said, I, I, I am he. There was unlimited power. And he didn't use it. Why? Love. That's the only answer. There's nothing else that kept him on the cross. The nails didn't keep him on the cross. The Romans didn't keep him on the cross. Love for you and I kept him on the cross. Some might say, well, well, um, if he had made salvation easier, how much easier could it be? How much easier could he have made salvation? For by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How much easier could it be? You've got two thieves, one either side of Jesus. They're both dying reasonably for their crimes. One turns to him and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And he says, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. How much easier could it be? Do you know what it is that stands between us and salvation? It's our wills. We're not willing. We're not willing to let him have his way. And oh, I plead with you tonight. Would you give in? Would you let go? That there is no better offer. There is no better deal coming from anywhere. Perhaps somebody going to blame the minister uh, for the fact that they went to hell. And I am sure that there are ministers who are responsible because they don't preach the gospel. I mean, you've heard the story about the, uh, the woman whose husband was an alcoholic and she, he was being buried. And um, the, the minister was up at the front of the church and he was uh, talking about how wonderful a husband he was and uh, how devoted to his family he was and oh, how good he was. And, and the, the mother tapped her son on the shoulder and she said, would you just go up and see if that's your father in the box up there? <clears throat> because that wasn't him at all. And sometimes ministers do that. Sometimes ministers in that moment, they, 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 will, they will look at somebody who had no testimony of salvation and they'll say they're in heaven. Listen, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. There is no good works. There is nothing somebody can do that, that can get them into heaven apart from being born again. And, and um, uh, for those here tonight, what you need to do is not blame somebody else. Because you're here tonight. Because somebody invited you. Because somebody put, put a leaflet in your door. Somebody invited you to come. Somebody invited you to come with the express purpose of you hearing the gospel. You can't say it's God's fault. And you can't say uh, it's the minister's fault. Um, let me be perfectly honest with you. If the, mo the moment after you die, you wake up in hell, and that's how quick it happens, you will have nobody to blame but yourself. There's nobody else to blame but you. Let me return to the story of Rose DeSantis. Uh, she would not heed the cries of the passengers. They're all saying, listen, let go. Let go. The train is going to go faster and faster. Just, just let it go. She clung to her purse and was dragged 90 feet to her death. The passengers stood by and watched her die as she ignored their cries. Nobody could physically make her let go. She had to make that decision. Now, I wonder what she was holding on to. Maybe she had just cashed her paycheck and all her money for the week of the month was in her bag. Was it worth her life? No. It wasn't worth her life. Maybe she had some gift in it for a loved one. Was that worth her life? No. Perhaps she had some medicine that she needed. She could have got it again. That wasn't worth her life either. You know, ultimately she was responsible for her own death. Oh, they did inquiries and they blamed all kinds of people on it, but ultimately... The only one that could loose her fingers from her purse was herself. She could have heeded the cries of the other passengers to let go of her purse and live, but she chose to cling to it until her death. Let me ask you tonight, what's keeping you from trusting Christ? What is it that's holding you back tonight? What is it that you're holding on to in your life that you, that you think you need so badly? 
What is it that, that, that stands between you and coming to the place where you say, Jesus, I need the salvation you're offering. And I'm casting myself at your feet. He died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again to prove he could do it. What's holding you back? What is it that's, that's hindering you? Some would say it's their sinful lifestyle. I don't want to give up this or that. Really? Really? Is it worth that to you? Is it worth the risk? Is it worth, I know you, th- you young people, when you're young you think you're going to live forever. And you know what? In a few moments you'll be my age. It's, this is just incredible. Uh, it, it just happens so fast. I, I don't know where the time has gone. Some part of me still thinks I'm about 18. I, I don't look like I'm 18. Nobody else thinks I'm 18. But inside of me, some part of me still thinks that I'm 18. And it's gone so fast. Jay and I were talking on the way up in the car. Sundays come around so quick. It, it, just the weeks fly by. Listen, you have no idea how long you have. You have no idea how long you get to live. Tomorrow could be the day that you pass out of this world. T- tonight could be the day. The Lord could come back and you'd be left behind, which is a pretty grim prospect. But <clears throat> is there really anything of your sinful lifestyle that is worth you risking an eternity without God? Some have false hopes of religion. Well, I go to church. I'm a good person. I do this. I do that. And it's all religion. Religion can't save you. We looked at Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus chock full of religion. I mean, if you want somebody who knew religion and how to do it, Nicodemus knew how to do it. What did Jesus say to him? Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. What do you mean all my good works mean nothing? Exactly. Only the new birth is the entrance to heaven. Some have their material possessions. But what will it profit a man if he lose, if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, listen, I'm sure you young people have got dreams and ambitions and things you want to do. And maybe you see God getting in the way of those dreams and ambitions and things you want to do. Understand this, though. That all that you want to do is nothing by comparison to an eternity separated from him. And all that you can achieve if you give your life to him is far more than anything you can achieve on your own. Do you know that the Bible says that God takes and he helps the humble, but he stands against the proud? Jay can tell you about God helping in his life since he was saved. Things that just fall out that don't just fall out. God helped. I, I could tell you stories. Many of you could tell stories of, of the way God is blessed in your life. And yet the enemy would have you believe that if you give in to God, he'll take away all the fun. And what he'll do is he'll put you in a place where you won't have anything and you'll just be nothing. What a lie. You and I were born to relate to this God. And when we humble ourselves and come into that place of reckoning, uh, come into that place of being born again, listen, life starts. Real life starts. See, the woman didn't have to die and no one has to go to hell. Jesus made a way of escape uh, that judgment <clears throat> from that judgment and he made it possible for you to have eternal life. And 
the only thing standing between you and that is your will. Let me ask you a couple of questions and then we're done. All Rose DeSantis had to do was let go of her bag. Whatever <clears throat> was in it was not worth her life. All you have to do to be saved is to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Yeah, you'd have to humble yourself. Yeah, you'd have to recognize that you're a sinner and he's a savior and you're churning from your sin. That's called repentance. Don't dwell too much on that because listen, when you turn to Jesus, you're, you're turning away from your sin. Don't, 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 don't think you're going to give up everything and then turn to Jesus. Listen, you can't do that. You turn to Jesus and he'll step into your life and he will take things away that you didn't, uh, you, you, you don't think you have the power to take away. Just come to him. Just come to Jesus. He knows your sin. There's no hiding from him. There's absolutely no hiding from Jesus. He knows everything. He knows your sin, but you know what? He loves you still. You say, Jesus loves me even though I'm a sinner? Yeah. It's kind of amazing. If we knew each other's sin, we'd have a hard time loving each other. But this great, good, holy God knows every dark secret in your life. And he loves you with such a passion that he was willing to go to the cross and pay the price for your sin. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished, paid in full. The payment was made. Your sin has been paid for. If you will come to him and receive him, you get to have that applied to your account. Two thieves on a cross, one laughed and one mocked. And the other said, remember me. And that night he was with Jesus in paradise. Look at me for a second here. Jesus is walking in the room right now. Because he's more interested in your salvation than I or anybody else in this room is. He's walking in the room and he says, will you come to me? Not to the church. Not to anything else. To me. Will you come to me? He's a person. He's the only one that can save you. He says, will you come to me? And when you sing in your house, yes, Lord, I will. I need you. I can't do it myself. And you come to him. He will work a miracle in your life. He will start changing you. All it takes is for you to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Will you save me? And the Lord Jesus Christ will be there. And you will find a friend better than any friend you could ever hope for. You don't have to die in your sins. You don't have to pay for your sins yourself. There is one that loves you and has paid for them. And if you will but come to him, you can enjoy the forgiveness of sins, the righteousness of God, and more the friendship of Jesus throughout your life. Don't wait. Give in. Come to him. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for your people. Thank you for those that are here and that are so attentive. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you take and do the work in each heart that needs to be done for that one that doesn't know you? Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you bring swift conviction And oh, Lord, may they yield, may they give in to you in Jesus' name. Amen.